data give you the chance to find opportunities to improve. That is just one of the many insights that we get from today's guest, Kevin McGee. As the Senior Director of Data Management at Marillac St. Vincent in Chicago, Kevin works very closely with all the technical and cultural aspects of data in his organization to help Marillac really find the evidence that they need to drive innovation and improvement and really power the incredible impact that this organization has had. Now, one of the many things that we talk about today is how Marillac has had to adapt and learn to use data because it's been in operation for over a century. And so much has changed in that period. They've taken on so many new activities, so many new programs. And Kevin, in his talk today, really explores how you can bring data to bear as you grow and adapt to the new challenges and the work that your organization does. He shares some amazing insights on how you really can use data to help you figure out how to amplify your impact. And he has so many different aspects of this, whether it's the technical sides of data, some cultural approaches, some frameworks for making decisions and actually putting data into operation. So I hope that you enjoy listening to this conversation as much as I did having it. Kevin is just a wealth of knowledge and we are very lucky to have him here today. Hello, and welcome to Heart, Soul, and Data, where we explore the human side of analytics to help amplify the impacts of those out to change the world. With me, Alexandra Mannerings. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day to join me today, Kevin. I'm really excited for our conversation today, and I was wondering if we could start just by you introducing yourself. Yes. First, let me just say thank you for reaching out to have this conversation. Um, Alexandra, uh, you know, I look at some of your information. I see that individual that you have met with and have various podcasts with have a breadth of knowledge. And so hopefully I can give you this audience the service of learning from my perspective and from my lens. Well, my name is Kevin McGee and I work in the Chicago area at Marilac St. Vincent Family Services. I am the Senior Director of Data Management here trying to enhance the quality of how we can be more data informed across our agency. So some of the things that we're working on are from zero to all the way to seniors. And we have a community outreach, food pantry, and all these other things that we are trying to track across our organization. So initially I was a team of one. Now I was able to build out capacity to have a team of three. So there's a, there's a really going to be a good thing with our organization to help us and I know that you're saying you, you hope you can provide things of value, but this is exactly why I think it's such a great thing to have a conversation with you about. You have real life on the ground experience, starting by yourself, growing the analytic capacity of your organization. These are challenges that all of the nonprofits out there are facing, no matter how big they are. Everyone's in this space of how do we actually get to the point where we can be as data-driven as we want to be and need to be. I actually have a question that I wanted to ask about that process of growing your capacity. What was that like to go from a team of one? So you get hired and they're basically like, congrats, figure this out. So can you speak just a little bit to that process of growing the capacity of data and your, the personnel in your organization? Of course. So my initial start within the organization was over three years ago. And, and coming in, I wanted to do some background to see the landscape of how other organizations have been constructing their quality insurance department and how they are pretty much running their ins and outs and programs within their organization. So come to find out other CBOs, community-based organizations, 
have a team of like three or more, some of which some are seen for seven or nine individuals that's in the data quality, data quality assurance department, just trying to make sure that things are ran smoothly. And so just hearing those discussions and having that information in that background provided me the opportunity to make sure that, you know, as we continue to grow and build, we can have the capacity to address certain needs. And, and I know of only one person We want to make sure that we can address those needs within our organization. So that it came about by just trying to do the my due diligence and homework and trying to sift out that information from other community-based organizations and bring it back within our own organizations. That's a great point that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We're not the first groups to try to be answering these questions. We're all struggling with these. And some of us have gotten a little farther ahead than others or have paved some roads for us to learn from. So I love that idea of looking at other orgs and seeing what they're doing. And similarly, your background, you come from outside the nonprofit sector. You come from more the commercial sector. And so you've had a breadth of experience working with data in the commercial sector. And so speaking of what we can learn from other places, I think there's a space to understand also like what we can learn from the commercial sector around data. And I'm curious what you can say about what has the commercial sector done with data that we can learn from that does actually translate to what's happening in the nonprofit sector with data. Well, for the nonprofit, I think it's more geared towards like a, a heart felt type of story, you know, you want to gravitate towards the community and gravitate towards uh, different individuals or what we call participants and clients to gauge them a little bit more further in depth of where they are. Commercial space, you try to get more in terms of like, hey, what you get in terms of profits and numbers and everything is driven by those numbers. But in the nonprofit, you're almost looking towards the person, which is always good for, you know, a community to be involved with, but then also organization of our caliber as well. So if you look at it, you know, numbers versus. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think sometimes people take that, and I agree with you completely, that the data we're wanting to find in the nonprofit sector is much more about being of service to people rather than being in service of generating profit. But I think then what happens is sometimes people say, well, therefore, I don't need data in the nonprofit sector. So how would you answer sort of that point of view? Well, I would say times have changed from that perspective right now. Data is more meaningful now more than ever. It gives us a huge insight, a huge scope of how to do things more efficiently as far as development, as far as increasing the capacity level within our organization, as far as it is all about hiring in this space. So it shapes us in various different ways and data plays a huge part, not only in for-profit, but the non-profit as well. It's interesting you mentioned hiring. I had a conversation with a woman on health equity, and she mentioned this idea of being equitable in your hiring requires data. It is not good enough to say, yeah, 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 we hire equitably. You have to take the time to look at the data, well, to collect the data on your hiring and who you're reaching with your applications, and then actually look at that and say, are we doing a good job or are there things that may be barriers for us getting good qualified people who somehow don't fit who's traditionally been here, and I'm putting that in air quotes, <laughs> in the past. So it, even though we're talking about putting people focused, we still have a need for data to accomplish those people-focused things. That's good. So we're hoping, right, that these conversations are changing in nonprofits. We get to have this conversation, and I'm hoping that's a sign that more and more people are having them. But just like you had to do, you had to get started with analytics. 
So I was curious if you could share you know, some of your recommendations for these organizations that are actually getting started for the first time. Maybe they haven't hired their first version of you yet and they're trying to get started. You know, what recommendations do you have for taking those first steps and moving forward? Yeah, I would say when you're planted in an organization, it may have not had the background of trying to collect or analyze any type of data sets or just learn from what they're currently structuralizing. Just start where you are. Sometimes you can just start with Microsoft Excel documentation to collect information and um, go from there to build out different graphs and tables that can kind of steer you in the right direction to make an informed decision. Then you can grow from, you know, establishing yourself just from using Excel tables to something more that's like HoDi, Tableau, any type of those visualization of software tools to kind of grow your skill set. But I would say just start where you are at, use the tool that you currently have, and then just develop yourself as you go along. I love that you have this idea of there's already things that exist. None of us right now are in an organization that literally has zero data or zero data tools. You have something. And so rather than trying to go from zero to 100 in one step, like, okay, we're going to have Tableau server and we're going to build a data lake. Like, no, no, no. We're going to just start with what we have and we're going to show value from that. How do we show value with the things that we have? You may not have an answer for this, but do you have any recommendations if you're starting in that Excel place? Are there particular places that you find the most effective questions can be asked at the beginning, right? When you're in that simpler stage, are there places that you recommend trying to focus your energies on either collecting or finding certain data or asking cer- certain data questions? Asking certain data questions. So, so as a program and you work with different programs, you probably wanted to go and ask those individuals and managers and directors, what are some of the outcomes that you're trying to accomplish? Okay. And then from there, you can kind of gather some of the data points that you would like to track. And then you can build from there. So several is like tracking parent engagement or checking the involvement of the kids within the classroom or tracking their duration in certain projects. So it's a lot of different ways of trying to gather information that can be data informed, data driven, but just making sure that you have the conversation with that manager or director to kind of identify some of those outcomes that they would like to see within that program. I like to call that outcome metric your compass metric. Yes. And I love that it is so true that that's where you start. That if you just say, where are we trying to get to, right? What's the destination? Our destination is to have all of these kids engaged in this program that we know works. So we need to know if they're getting engaged. And then you can say, all right, how do I know if they're engaged? Well, I need to ask them these six survey questions. Okay, you can do that with a free Google form and an Excel sheet, right? That it does not require anything complicated. And you've been able to start with a meaningful thing and get some data that's going to tell you, did this particular approach achieve the thing we are trying to do? Exactly. That's so true. So hopefully that's helping alleviate some of the stress that people sometimes feel about getting started with data, that it really can be that simple. Yes, very simple. To start out with. <laughs> yes, to start with. And and then I liked what you said, though, because I think that sometimes we can get stuck there, right? Like, okay, we're going to start really simple. And then we forget that we need to revisit it and evolve as we show these successes. And if you get stuck there, it, you are going to limit how much you can grow and how much you can you know, expand the level of your capacity around data and see the success from data. If you take that first step and then go no farther. So you do have to have that come back. Can I ask like some of the most common mistakes that you've seen in this process, or maybe even if you've done them and you want to share as we're making these sort of steps forward and incrementally growing our data skills and infrastructure? 
Yeah. So just in practice, so like when you have staff members, new hires, some of which possibly have not been properly trained, could have some, you know, at the primary source of data entry could miss some certain steps. So just having those, having that iron out in terms of making sure individuals are properly trained and going through the necessary steps to enter and certain information to a system, it can be, you know, best practices to get things done in a meaningful and efficient way. So, yeah. <laughs> Errors in data entry, it's one of the least sexy areas. No one wants to think about data entry or work on it, but it's so true. If you don't build that foundation right, everything that comes after is going to collapse. And I like that you mentioned the new hire piece as well, because you might do all this work, you get it all in place, you've got all the data entry, and then your data entry person moves or is promoted. And then you bring someone new and they don't have any of the groundwork that you put in with the person before. So having policies or procedures or explicit yes. things in place to make sure that your data entry works. So that's, that is a very important thing and such a common mistake. The data entry sort of starts at the bottom. What are some of the considerations for leadership when we're talking about trying to develop our data capacity? How do you, if you're sort of in the middle, right, you've come in, here you are, you're the new manager of data collection or data management. How do you kind of balance or what should you focus on, not just the down below of getting the data entry, but how do you build that connection and support and buy-in from leadership? Yeah, that's one of the things that I would like to address even more. Just trying to find those data champions within an organization to have those comrades, so to speak, to say, hey, when I speak to the points of certain tasks, and data outcomes, I have other individuals that's chiming in agreement, <laughs> just saying, hey, this is something that I've seen that's meaningful and brings success to not only what we're doing, but to our entire organization can go over well in terms of doing the work that I'm doing. So just having those inspired on the data champions with the organization will go a long way. <laughs> I love that phrase. I'm going to keep it data comrades because it's so true, though, because I think I've heard this experience echoed over and over where you're an evaluator or a program director who gets all the evaluation dropped on you. And you look around and you say, I feel so alone. Like I'm the only one in this organization trying to figure out how do we measure the outcomes that matter? How do I report on that, you know, to leadership and all of this? And it feels very lonely. So the idea of looking for your data comrades, I love because they don't have to be data people, right? These yeah. data comrades might be people who are saying, I've needed this piece of information and I haven't had it. And finally that person got it for me. So I'm going to support them, right? Yes. <laughs> so no, I think that's good because then when you can have a camaraderie, of why the data matters and the impact that it's having. And to go back to your previous point, if you've started small and shown some value, then when you start to take these conversations to leadership, you can say, look, this isn't just me. All of us have seen value and here's the value that we've all collectively found out of this. Exactly. And then I think that goes back to, uh, we all know in this atmosphere, the smart goal, right? You know, the specific, measurable, action, realistic time. But I like to look at it a little differently. I like to say, let's look at it as a smart goal, adding on the ER to the end of it. So making it, we, we evaluate what that E and then what that R we review. So that what the data aspect and the mind frame of thing, not only that we're doing a specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, timely things, but also evaluate and then also reviewing those things. I cannot say enough about that approach. That's it's so important, so perfect, because I do think that it's really easy to sort of to measure something, do it and then like check, move on. And it that prevents you from then building an infrastructure and a culture of being data driven, because if you're not taking the time to evaluate 
what you got out of that measurement and then reviewing how you're going to move forward, right? It should be a spiral rather than yes. just this like linear check. No, I love that smarter goal. I hadn't heard that before. So that's <laughs> wonderful. Now, we did talk about like data entry and management of all of those things, but success with data is more than just getting your Excel tool going or maybe finally making the jump into Power BI. What are some of the other things that organizations need to think about as they're growing their analytic capacity? The system that they're currently using. I know organizations utilize multiple systems and the data entry and data capturing positive systems, making sure that you have a way that you can extract that information from those systems and possibly bring it to a centralized location where you can do like data recipes or do some data flows where you can grab all of the information from various systems to make sense out of it. So that will probably be something like on a higher level of what data analysts has to do. It's just making sure you look at those systems, making sure that those systems have the capability of being able to be to extract the information and data from those systems to bring to a platform, what we'll call an API, you know, a type of version so they can talk to other systems. I think that's important to understand in the common grasp yeah, and so you've got integration of lots of different systems, which then sort of suggests a whole other thing you have to think about, because as soon as you're talking about having multiple systems, like maybe from finance and development and programs and stuff, now you're talking about being across departments and different people and different roles. So what kinds of things then have to be thought about that are sort of the soft parts of data management, right? Like if you're trying to manage all these different people, what else do you need to have in place, not just like a system and an API, but are there other things that we need to have to help manage all the people who have to be involved in being successful with data? Yeah, like, you know, just people in general. We're working across, well, various programs and departments. We want to make sure that those individuals have some soft skills in place. They can be able to have a connection with you as a, not only as an individual, but as a colleague. Or communication, you know, some problem solving skills, being flexible in certain time frames because everybody is busy. Just also being creative in this space because sometimes it, you may see things one way, but I may see it differently. And so just knowing that we're trying to formalize a, a process, not only together, but in a structuralized way that is really beneficial to you. Make sure that individual is a team player <laughs> and have interest as well in what is going on. So. Just making sure that those soft skills are in place for the individual within the organization. I was just talking to a gentleman about job descriptions and how we hire. And he was pointing out that, you know, it's easy when you're talking about data to think that what matters is just the technical skills. But really, right, you have to have people who, like you said, can be flexible, can adapt to things, can connect across completely different domains of expertise, especially if you're going to be a small team in an organization and all of the data needs fall on you, you've got to know how to talk to program managers and how to talk to frontline people doing the work yes. and how to talk to your executives and how to talk to finance. And that's not something that you learn in SQL coding school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially the middle profit array. Exactly. Now, your organization is a tremendous organization that's been around for a very long time. And we were just talking about being flexible. And I think the history of your organization and the way that you do data shows a tremendous amount of flexibility and adaptability. And so I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about how your data and analytics have had to change in terms of, you know, in being able to respond to this huge change in size and scope of what your organization has done. 
Yeah, thanks for that question because it's interesting. Uh, we've partnered with other CBOs, community-based organizations across the Chicago landscape, and they formalized this collaborative group called the Chicago Benchmark Collaborative. And this partnership helps us to, to build upon early childhood programs, school-age youth programs, and uh, parent engagement in different human service agencies. It, it helps us be more informed by our data to improve outcomes for low-income families alike. The CBC, we call it the Chicago Benchmark Collaborative, we track similar outcomes and goals across the landscape of early childhoods, programs and after school and youth and parent engagement, so we can try to improve the effectiveness of the, those outcomes and create efficiency across the organization as it relates to how we can better and be more practical in the work that we've done. And within that time frame, the CBC published a toolkit, which was entitled Increasing Mission Impact Through Collaborative Learning. This toolkit was is available and is offered up for us, the nonprofit sector, with different strategies and best practices that the CBC has learned over the past decade and counting. And it focuses on various stages like establishing a shared vision and goal, building capacity for data use and collaborative learning, use data to improve practice, and also sustain institutionalized systems. So this booklet toolkit can provide all of those resources to help not only our agency, but other CBOs across the Chicago landscape to be more in tune to what we're currently doing with similar outcomes that we're agreed upon collecting and sharing and benchmarking the information so that we can not only grow internally in our current organization, but across others as well to make the entire, I think, city strong as a whole. What an extraordinary program to have <laughs> coming together because everything you talked about there is so critical to success of not just the individual organization, but like you said, making Chicago stronger by amplifying the impacts that these very important community organizations are having. And I think that, you know, it, it is worth reiterating that what happens out of the CBC, as you were saying, is that you guys have sat down and you've agreed, here are the things we're trying to accomplish. And here's how we're going to measure if we're accomplishing them. And then we all shall go forth and try those, try to accomplish those things. And we will come back together and by these shared benchmarks, We'll know whether we're getting closer or farther, or some of us have gotten even closer than others. And then you mentioned that then what gets to happen is if one organization's gotten a little bit closer than another organization, it's not that you're like, I'm winning and you lose. <laughs> it's, hey, how do I learn from you? You did really well in this area. So you were saying, you know, for 100 years, you've expanded these services that you've offered. So you might have gotten into spaces that you're not as familiar with. But through the benchmark, you can see other people who are doing well in that area and you can reach out to them, right? And get advice about how to do better. Exactly. <laughs> awesome. I it's love refreshing. that. It's refreshing. So if anybody like in the space that's looking to learn more about the collaborative, definitely can share that, that toolkit with me so I can share it out as well. But I think it's uh, it's needed in the space that we're currently in because as you know, the pandemic, everybody's been sheltered in place. We need to get back together and start collaborating once again. <laughs> so important. And yes, we will absolutely link to this in our show notes. So we make sure we have that toolkit. One question that I had about that, you were saying it's refreshing. And I think as people get into the space of having to measure the effectiveness of their programs, kind of the first thing that comes up to them is not refreshing, but 
oh, I'm going to be judged. I'm going to be seen as bad. So could you talk a little bit to how, you know, the culture around the Chicago Benchmark Collaborative has been able to get to the point where this is something that is refreshing and empowering and not punitive? Yeah. Well, one of the things I'd like to bring up is, and that was mentioned from my CEO, is that people think red is bad. But a notion came up saying red is good. Red gives you the opportunity, you know, to stop stirring and say, hey, every time you look at something red, you think of the negative connotation of it. But we would like to think we're, we flip that script and say, hey, red is good. It gives us an opportunity to address certain needs that we possibly wouldn't have never considered. And so bringing up those uh, perspectives and those light bulb moments within the collaborative, also within the organization, give us an opportunity to do improvement plans and to increase that particular task or outcome even more so that we can reach a need of a participant or reach the need of a community member and also grow our capacity in, in such a way that it's reaching the need of a grantee or a funder. So it gives us an opportunity to grow in that space too. So we can be more attractive to those funders out there to um, provide, to ask for some additional service and funding. So, yeah. That's two good points in sort of parallel spaces. One is that we exist to do a thing that we've said we're doing as whatever it is as our nonprofit. And so red is a good opportunity for us to see maybe we haven't done it in this area yet. So we can put some resources or attention in that area and achieve it in that area. It's not like you're permanently bad. <laughs> and I like that you brought up, though, that also with funders and being attractive to investment and grantors, because we are really moving into an era you know, the impact investing era, where especially the like really big philanthropic groups, they're wanting to know and be able to see what am I going to have from investing in this space? And so being able to say, look, we've improved how much we can achieve in this area. Here's the data to show how much we're able to achieve in this area. We've all agreed this is how we're going to measure success. And we're doing really well by that, or we've improved that and we have a new process that's getting us better. That really can help drive those sort of impact investing conversations. <laughs> all right. Well, I wanted to know just if you had any last words of wisdom or advice to those folks out there who are listening to this, hopefully in, in becoming inspired to take action on moving for, more forward with their analytics. Any last pieces of advice or wisdom or encouragement to share with them as they go on this journey? Of course. I know it's always said that when you are in a role of leadership, that you want to be the best leader that you could be. I came across Larry Spears. He's a former president of Robert Green Center of Servant Leadership. And it kind of changed my whole thought process in terms of the servant aspect of things. So not just being a leader, but being a service, a servant leader. And as a servant leader, you're a servant first and you focus on the needs of others, especially your team members. Before you consider, you want to acknowledge other people's perspectives and give them the support they need to do their job well, right? So to build a sense of community within that particular team that you're currently leading. Just having that service mind will take, I think, not only what you're doing, but bringing forth all of those different ideas to the table will enhance that engagement. It builds strong relationships. So I would say just look, look at to like, learning more about being a servant leader. And he talks about 10 different important characteristics of being a servant leader. And I would just go over them real quick. One of which being listening. Second being empathy. A third is healing. A fourth is being aware, the awareness piece. Fifth is uh, persuasion. 
And six is uh, come to being uh, just then having a force, right? And eight is just being a good steward. Nine is committing yourself to growth of other people. And 10 is building community. I don't know if I missed one, but yeah. So those 10 characteristics, servant leadership is something that I kind of keep with me in my office and kind of say, hey, let me make sure when I go to a meeting or I have a discussion with an individual, I have those things in my thought process and my forefront so we can try to build a community and, and grow together as a team. That's exactly why I've called this podcast Heart, Soul, and Data, because there is completely a space for servant leadership, for bringing who you are in service of others. When we talk about data, it's not about yeah being the smartest or being the most technically savvy. It's about being a good human and using data to achieve the good human things that we want. And so I'm so happy you shared that. And we'll I'll link to that as well. We'll include all 10 of those traits and we'll put a link to his work as well and servant leadership because it is so true. And even thinking back to some of the things that you talked about before, right? If you want to build a good data team, you really do need to be listening, right? And you need to be helping your team grow and develop new traits because you're going to have to be taking on tasks you haven't taken on before. If you start with Excel, the first time you want to move into Power BI, you may not have anyone on staff who knows Power BI. And you have to help your team grow and build those strengths and being able to communicate and collaborate, whether it's the Chicago Benchmark Collaborative across all of that, or whether it's collaborating, finding your data comrades, (laughs) all of that. It's that's perfect. So thank you so much for bringing that up. Well, thank you for allowing me um, into your arena, into your space, and sharing the light on how we do things here. We appreciate so much you sharing your wisdom and your expertise and the great work that your organization is up to. Thank you. As I said at the beginning, what a wealth of information and knowledge. There were so many things that I loved about what Kevin shared. The idea of looking for data comrades. This comes up again and again in interviews that I have of the idea that data should not be a soloist activity. It needs to be something where you are finding your your partners in arms, right? The people who can fight this good fight of using data, whether or not their role is specifically tied to data, or whether you can find people who have perspectives that are going to help you interpret data, or that you can empower people in the decisions and work that they make by supplying them with data. Also, the idea that we're not just doing smart goals, we're doing smarter goals. This idea of evaluating your progress on the goal, evaluating how you were able to achieve some and maybe didn't achieve others, and reviewing the metrics to help you get better at achieving the things that really matter. Kevin did such a good job talking about how if we really are committed to making a difference, we need to be measuring what we're doing. And the the whole growth of the Chicago Benchmark Collaborative, I just love, and and we'll link to that on our site. Um, There's a a great white paper about the, the collaborative and that the, the, the increasing mission impact through that collaboration, I think, is so powerful. The idea, again, data is not a solo activity. The more that we bring together, the more powerful that we can be uh, and the better we can drive impact. We can see who's strong in an area and learn from them. We can identify our areas where we need to improve and, and use help from others. This idea of changing the whole approach that red's not bad, but red's actually good because it's an opportunity for us to see where we need to improve. So thank you so much for joining us today. I hope that you can go out and find your data comrades. You can put some smarter goals into play, and maybe even you can find some other organizations to partner with and create your own benchmarking collaboratives 
and measures that are going to help you understand if you're really making the impact that you want to have. So breathe deep, seek peace. I believe in you.